I am so excited to be giving you a very special bonus episode of Emotionally Fit with Dr. Emily Anhalt. Her name may sound familiar and her voice is definitely familiar to you because she was a guest on Emotional Support a couple seasons back. She's one of my nearest and dearest. We've known each other since we were in diapers. She is incredible and she has her own very like amazing show called Emotionally Fit. And I was so lucky enough to be a guest. So we thought it'd be really fun so you could get a little intro to her show by listening to me as a guest. Since I'm always the one hosting, she gets to ask me the questions and you get a little insight. So this is celebrating small wins with me, Alessandra Torsani, and Taboo Tuesday, Bipolar Disorder in Hollywood. These are two episodes that I did with her that we combined into one. It's amazing. I hope you love it. Go check out her show, Emotionally Fit, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, including mine, Emotional Support. Be sure to give it five-star review. Give me a five-star review. Enjoy it. Love it. And you know what? Let's have some laughs and make mental health stigma-free. That's what we're here to do. I love you so much, and thank you for being my Emotional Support. Please enjoy Emotionally Fit. Ready to break an emotional sweat? Welcome to Emotionally Fit with me, Dr. Emily Anhalt. As a therapist, I know that staying mentally healthy takes work and repetition. That's why I'll share emotional push-ups, short, actionable exercises to help you strengthen your mental fitness. From improving your friendships to managing stress, let's flex those feels and do some reps together. Hey there, fit fans. I am here with Alessandra Torsani, Hollywood actress, podcaster, extraordinaire, and lifelong friend of mine. Alessandra, it's so good to see you. Hi, Emily. This is so fun. I'm ready to do my push-up. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Can't wait to break an emotional sweat with you. So today what I want to talk about is celebrating small wins. And by that, I mean taking the time to notice, honor, and enjoy the small things that go well or right in life. I'm curious, how good are you at doing this? Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like not that great, if I'm going to be honest. I love to beat myself up. It's my favorite thing to do. So I don't celebrate the small things. I only celebrate the really big things, which don't happen that often. So then you don't really have a lot of fun. So I need to really practice celebrating the little things in life, the little successes. I love it. And you're really not alone. For sure, one thing I've noticed in my work, especially with high achievers, is that it can be tough to celebrate small wins for all kinds of reasons. I think some people worry that if they focus on what's going well, it'll make them complacent and they'll stop going after bigger and better things. Some people worry that celebrating makes them self-centered or indulgent. Some people feel bad focusing on their wins if everything isn't going perfectly for everyone else. And I think some people just barely pause long enough to even notice when they have had a small win. That being said, these same people tend to obsess and ruminate over things when they go the wrong way. Yes. So funny how that goes. I love to celebrate the disasters. I'll tell you that much. I love to just soak in those. Yes. We're good at that, right? The problem is, though, only focusing on what's working or only focusing on achieving the next goal in perpetuity can really quickly make life feel miserable. And I think that we shouldn't make ourselves miserable in pursuit of a good life. Life is the pursuit. And by celebrating our small wins, we're putting a little bit of gas back in the tank to allow ourselves to keep pushing forward. What do you think about all that? 
I mean, I think that everything you said is totally right. And I think that what it takes is practice. It doesn't just happen overnight where, you know, you're, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I'm going to celebrate things. Everything's going to be better. You have to remind yourself to do it. To me, sometimes I'm in a state of my mind because I live with bipolar disorder where sometimes a small win is just being able to get up out of bed and that's celebrating something that's very small. And I forget about that. And I think if we look back five years from wherever we were, we could go, wow, look at where we are now. We didn't think we would be here. I love that. And I'm so in agreement that it is something that can be practiced. Yeah. The whole point of this podcast is that we tend to see our ways of being in the world as really fixed. You know, if this is how I am, this is just how I am. But what I've really learned through therapy and through emotional fitness in general is that the more you do something, the less effort it ends up taking, like any kind of exercise and the more you can stretch yourself to do. Yep. So to that end, today's push-up is going to be about practicing celebrating small wins. Yes. And so what I would love for you to do is start by thinking of one small win you've had recently. It can be anything. It can be, like you said, just being able to summon the motivation to get out of bed. It can be that you finished a project you'd been putting off. It can be that you were kind to yourself, whatever it might be. And for those of you who are listening, you can press pause while you think of your small win or just listen on to hear what Alessandra's is. So Alessandra, what would you say your small win is for today? Yeah, I think that my small win is I've put a lot of effort into having a podcast where every single week I seem to open up a little bit more about myself over and over. And I am very critical about myself and I don't like my voice and I listen back and I get so frustrated and I almost felt what's the point of it all? You're putting out this knowledge, these interviews, these stories, and sometimes you don't get the validation back, right? You know, So you don't know the wins, right? You just feel like it's almost a failure that no one's there. And I recently got asked by a wonderful organization to share my story because they had heard it because of the podcast. And it's an opportunity that I never thought that I would be able to have. And so to be able to share my story with a wider audience, it took three years of this podcast for me to finally hit this moment. And so I would like to celebrate that. Well, first of all, I want to say this doesn't feel like a small win. That feels like a huge win. <laughs> this is a big win. Yeah, but it is a small win in the sense where, you know, even the opportunity of someone reaching out, I think, was the small win of going, wow, I can't believe that someone cares to hear about the struggles. Because in my mind, a big win would be getting a huge $100 million movie, Avatar, Disney movie, you know, a Marvel picture. This is like, wow, it's my little story that someone cares about. Mm. So the small win was hearing that what you had put out there that in the moment you weren't so sure about really landed well enough yeah. that a person said, I want more of that. Yes. That's powerful. Okay. So the next step then of this small win of this emotional push-up is to text someone in your life who you want to celebrate with. And for anyone who wants a template, you might say something like, hey there, I am working on my emotional fitness and today's challenge is to celebrate a small win with someone I care about. So I'm so excited to share that I was reached out to by this organization. They loved what I had to say. And I'm feeling really proud of myself because I didn't always know that it was working and it feels really great. Thanks for celebrating with me. Oh, I love that template. So then I text someone that? Yeah. 
It's funny because there's a few people that I'd want to send this to and not because I'm like, oh, I want to share this moment, but really it takes a village, right? For your own success. So there's a lot of people that I feel like I'd like to reach out to and share this because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be in a place where I am right now with the podcast. So I think it's really fun. So I'm actually going to send this to my sometimes co-host of my show, On Emotion I'll Support, I have a little segment called Beauty in the Brain with a neuroscientist to the stars, David Haggerty. And it's really fun and we have a great banter, but truly he was one of the people that I met at this organization and we had come up with the idea of wanting to do a podcast. And he was like, I'll be your first guest. I will show up. I will do that. I will answer questions for you if you don't feel comfortable So to be able to celebrate with him would be really something special. Oh, I love it. Would you be willing to share what do you think your text message will sound like so people have an idea? Yeah, I'm going to write and I'm going to say I'm celebrating my small win today and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you and many other people who have supported me since day one of emotional support. Thank you for making me feel not alone. What a wonderful message that will be to receive. And I imagine it will set you up in a wonderful way to be celebrated as well. Because I will say one thing I notice is as we tend to do, sometimes when we're celebrating our own wins, we very quickly celebrate other people. It's more comfortable to say, it's because of you and, you know, which is wonderful. Right. Totally. But I also think there's something to say about saying like, I did this and I'm proud and I want you to be proud with me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I mean, I feel like we always think, well, we know that it takes a village, but sometimes it is okay to just tap yourself on the back and know like I did this myself. Hell yeah. I love that. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for flexing your feels with me today. Oh my God. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. And for those of you who want more Alessandra, fear not, we have a Taboo Tuesday coming with her tomorrow. So you can learn all about what it has been like for her to be an actress in Hollywood on set who also struggles with bipolar disorder. So Alessandra, thank you for sharing yourself with us today. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Emotionally Fit, hosted by me, Dr. Emily Anhalt. New push-ups drop every Monday and Thursday. Did you do today's push-up alongside me and my guest? Tweet your experience with the hashtag EmotionallyFit and follow me at Dr. Emily Anhalt. Please rate, review, follow, and share the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is produced by Koa, your gym for mental health where you can take live therapist-led classes online. From group sessions to therapist matchmaking, Koa will help you build your emotional fitness routine. Head to joincoa.com, that's joincoa.com, to learn more and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at joincoa. From Studio Pod Media in San Francisco, our producer is Katie Soonku Wood. Music is by Milano. Special thanks to the entire Koa crew. When I feel a manic episode coming on, I feel that bipolar rush. It's like a volcano in your stomach. And it's slowly the lava keeps coming up and up and up to finally like you can't handle it anymore. And you don't know why, but you just explode. 
Welcome to Taboo Tuesday on the Emotionally Fit Podcast. I'm Dr. Emily Anhalt, and I've always loved talking about taboo subjects. Sex, money, drugs, death. Because being a therapist has taught me that the feelings we're most hesitant to talk about are also the most normal. So join me as we flex our feels by diving into things you might not say out loud, but you're definitely not the only one thinking. Quick disclaimer that nothing in this podcast should be taken as professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Because while I am a therapist, I'm not your therapist, and I'm not my guest therapist. So this is intended only to spark interesting conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Hey there, Fit fans. I am here for today's Taboo Tuesday with Alessandra Torresani. Alessandra is an actress, a host, a creator, and a mental health advocate. She's dedicated to destigmatizing mental health by spreading kindness, compassion, and hope. And she brings a ton of fun and laughter to her mission by sharing her story about living with bipolar 1 disorder on her podcast, Emotional Support. On top of all that, Alessandra is a dear friend of mine. We met in kindergarten, and she inspired me to put myself out there in ways that at the time seemed totally intimidating. So I'm so grateful to her, and I'm so happy to have her on the show today. Hey, Alessandra. Oh my gosh, Emily. This is amazing that this is happening right now, and I'm so proud of you. This is so fun. I'm so glad to have you on because, as you know, we're doing Taboo Tuesdays here on this podcast, which I absolutely love because the things that we don't talk about are the things that we should talk about. And today in particular, we have a really special episode because Alessandra, like I said, is a Hollywood actress. She's been in all kinds of amazing things that you have definitely seen. And she's also a person who's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And she's here today to talk about how taboo it can be to talk about the things that are true for us in our places of work. So, Alessandra, before we dive into that, maybe just start by telling me a little about yourself. Sure. Well, as I'm a Hollywood actress, which I love, I'm going to now only allow my husband to call me a Hollywood actress. So this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. No, you know, I am an actress. It's something that I've been doing my entire life. We talked earlier, you said you got into competitive dancing because of me. And that's true because that was my whole world. I basically just wanted to be on a stage. I wanted to perform. I wanted to be in front of the cameras and lots of life lessons were were learned through all of these experiences, which we'll get into. But most importantly, the reason why I'm here, I was diagnosed with bipolar one disorder when I was about 21, 22 years old. And so I've been living and, and thriving with it for about 34 now. So you do the math, you know, quite a long time. And it's just been a struggle. And, you know, every day is a new day and still even medicated still feels like a struggle. So I decided to start a podcast called Emotional Support, where I interview like-minded individuals such as yourself, you were on the show, and it was wonderful. And other celebrities and musicians and doctors and specialists and people that practice different types of mental health modalities to really selfishly learn more about my brain and see how, you know, we can all be there for one another and not be alone. So that's kind of where I am today, just continuing on that journey. Thank you for sharing that. I can only imagine, especially when you are on a stage and in the public eye, that it becomes much more complicated to grapple with your own mental health. I'm curious, what was it like before you got the diagnosis to be an actress who was struggling with bipolar disorder? And what was it like once you had the diagnosis? 
You know, it's so interesting to me because I was not diagnosed properly and was given antidepressants when I was 15 years old. They said, oh, she's just depressed, give her this medicine. And it actually, as everyone seems to know now, and I didn't know this at the time, it makes your highs higher and your lows lower when you are bipolar. <laughs> so it actually caused a lot of spiraling and a lot of darkness and a lot of sadness and a lot of suicidal ideations and thoughts and actions and you know really tough things. And I felt alone. And when I had finally gotten the diagnosis of living with bipolar disorder, I've talked to a lot of people about this, about their reactions. And for me, it was a sense of relief. It was like, wow, I finally have been heard. Someone finally can put a name to the problem and there's going to be a solution for this. So I was excited when I was diagnosed that I actually had something that I could grasp and hold on to. But the truth of the matter was, when I started to share that with other producers and friends of mine and how excited I was, they said, oh my God, absolutely never talk about that because you don't want to be labeled as difficult. You don't want to be a diva. You know, you hear bipolar, you think, oh my gosh, you know, at the time, right, they were throwing around, Britney Spears was bipolar. That was the time that it was happening when she was shaving her head and manically driving for hours on end all throughout the night. And so that's where that stigma came from. So it was this juxtaposition of like, wow, I'm finally happy that I know what I am but I can't share this with the world, so I'm gonna have to suffer in silence once again and be shamed into it. So it was weird because both ways, I kind of felt at a complete loss. Mm. So you were living the stigma even as internally you were getting more comfortable and actually even supported and relieved by knowing what was going on. Absolutely. And so what did you do with that? I mean, tell me a little bit about, you've got the diagnosis now, you've been told you shouldn't share it, but here you are doing this work where I would imagine if there wasn't so much of a stigma, it'd be helpful for everyone to know so that you're all on the same page and so that you can get the support that you need. So what did you do then? How did you manage that? I managed it by doing what I do best, making jokes out of things. So I would totally turn it into comedy and, and make it funny. Like, oh, she's the crazy bipolar girl. Ha ha ha. You know, inside jokes with just friends and family. I would share in relationships after a while of being, you know, in a relationship with someone and it had been held against me a lot of the time. And so that was also really hard. And that's that stigma and the shame behind it. You know, it was very shameful. So I slowly would bring it out here and there to people that I would feel comfortable with. And the first real time that I ever had heard someone else living with bipolar disorder was when I was on a set, I was shooting a movie in Atlanta and I was in a full panic mode because I had been flown immediately to Atlanta to shoot this movie. I didn't have enough of my medication with me. I could not get the pharmacist on the phone to then talk to my doctor to fill the prescription in time. I was on set. So I was actually on the phone with my mom and I was like screaming and I was like, I don't know what to do. I need this medicine. Someone's got to figure it out. Otherwise, I'm going to just absolutely go crazy right now. And one of my co-stars, Eden Cher, says to me, oh, are you okay? Like, did they forget your birth control or something, you know, like, what do you need? You know, like trying to comfort me. And I go, oh, I actually, I, I said, I actually am on this medicine 
called Lamictal. I actually live with bipolar disorder, you know? You'll find out eventually or something. And she looked at me and it was this moment, I, I like tear up every time thinking about it because it was the first time that I felt heard on a set because she lives with bipolar disorder as well, bipolar one disorder. And we both were, you know, on Lamictal at the time. And we joke that you shouldn't do this now, but she was like, I have medicine if you need it in case like it doesn't get filled in time. So it was the first time that I felt this sense of relief. And it was the first time she had felt that sense of relief because we were both shamed into, you should never talk about this. And here's someone that I've respected as an actress for years and was a fan of, I had no idea. And she had no idea that I was living with this. And from then on out, I kind of said, F it, I'm gonna start talking about this and share this experience. And since you have started sharing about it, which obviously as a person who's all about talking about taboo topics and breaking stigma and being transparent, I'm fully supportive of it. And I know that it's not the case that there are always zero consequences to that. So I'm curious, once you did start sharing that, how was it received and how did it land with people? The first time I really started sharing about it was actually at a convention for a TV show that I had done a quick guest spot on. And it was before my podcast and before any of that had come full circle. And I was very uncomfortable. It, I was not the the cast member that this show convention wanted. I was just kind of like the extra fill in that, oh, it would be fun if she was here. I guess let's throw her in there, you know? And I was in a foreign country. I was in England and, and I didn't know anyone. And I didn't know anyone on the show that I was with either because it wasn't my show. I was just a guest star. And the audience was supposed to be like a thousand people plus and only like 20 people showed up and no one asked questions. And once the first two questions were done, I was like, okay, this is weird. What do we talk about now? I'm supposed to be holding a town hall for an hour. So I said, I'm Alessandra, I'm bipolar. Does anyone have any questions on mental health? And all these people started showing up and people went to the outside of the conference and brought these people back in and they were all asking questions. And there's one specific woman who came up to me afterwards who showed me scars on her arms from her self-harm. And she said, I never knew that someone on television could be affected the same way that I was. And while I wasn't harming myself physically that way, we related the same way. You know, we understood each other. I heard her, she heard me. Representation matters. It matters. It really does. And, you know, I was also very lucky to already have started a relationship with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and being an ambassador for them because I had openly spoken out on my own to them. I had approached them and said, I, I've never felt a community before like this. I, I would love to do anything I can. So I just independently was trying to, you know, not scream it from the rooftops like, here I am out and proud, but make it my mission to meet community where I was feeling heard and safe and secure again, because I had lacked that for so many years. So now with the podcast and kind of having the help of so many wonderful people start it with me, encouraging me that they would be my guests, that I wouldn't be alone on this. It's been quite the reaction and it's really a vulnerable state to be in 
that I recommend to everyone when you're ready to share your story, share your story because you don't know who's listening. You know, you could share your story and, you know, that person listens and is like, oh, cool, that's awesome. But they share it with someone else. And that person, the one that you never meet, that's the one that's affected. And that's the one that you saved their life. And you never even knew that. So I think that it's hard. You really have to figure out when you're ready, then share it because there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of heaviness that's involved. And you have to also be able to put up boundaries of, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a specialist. Like I cannot give you advice about medication. I'm not giving you advice on if you're feeling suicidal. I can't be the one that that saves you. But I can be here to share stories where you can feel heard and maybe, you know, that story can make you not feel alone for that day. Which is so much more powerful than I think we realize until we need it and get it and it shifts everything. Yeah, right, right. I really appreciate that your answer wasn't like, just tell everyone, like it's fine because it's not always fine. No, I don't think you should. No, 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 you have to like really be ready because I still like on the regular get hate all day long. I have people that write me that are like, you're probably not even bipolar. I'm sure you're fine and you're just doing it for popularity. And I was like, I really don't think it's making me that popular with things. (laughs) (laughs) Who has the time to send these hate messages? It's really like- Lots of men. You would be surprised. Like that lots makes of sense. That makes no surprise sense. <laughs> I'm curious. Have you ever had the experience where you've disclosed it or shared it, whether it was on set or with friends or with colleagues, and it was not received in a way that felt good and supported? Yeah, I totally. I mean, it's funny because in past relationships, it was never received well. This is the first relationship with my husband. So I'm lucky I married him. But it was the first one where it was not ever held against me. For example, I was cheated on one time and it was my fault because I was bipolar and I was crazy and difficult to deal with. So that happens a lot. With work, I luckily haven't seemed to have found anything where it has not benefited me. In fact, I auditioned for a role on the TV show Batwoman and the way the role was written, it's the Joker's daughter and she's bipolar, schizophrenic, like there's all sorts of mental issues and it makes her to be a serial killer. And there was a particular scene in that where she, Duella Dent, punches a mirror because she doesn't like what she sees in the mirror. And she grabs a piece of the mirror and she marks up her whole face and it's blood and it's like gory and it's, it's really cool. It's fun. It sounds, it sounds like really grim, but it's not, it's fun. It's like, it's a great show. And it was the first time that I read a script where I felt so moved to be like, I know exactly what this woman is feeling. I've been there. I have punched many mirrors in my day. I don't recommend it. It's not good luck. Like, don't do it. But, you know, I have done that and I have been there. And so I was so curious. I wonder if the writer lives with bipolar disorder. I wonder if they know someone who may be experiencing it. But it was written in a beautiful way that was very honest and true and didn't make her a monster. It made her truly a human. And when I was in the audition, I did the lines. And afterwards I go, you know, I'm so sorry. And I had never done this before, but I said, I want to thank you so much. I said, I live with bipolar disorder and I've never read something on a script, never read words that have affected me so much that have been said so beautifully and exactly 
the feeling that someone would feel that's going through a mental illness. And there was no shame there. And they were like, oh my God, thank you so much. That really means a lot. And I got the role from it. So I was like, wow, maybe there is something about honesty and openness and being genuinely who you are that may work. And for me, that story like inspires me to keep on being myself because the first time I was honest, I got something positive from that. So maybe I'm gonna keep on doing that. That is amazing. I mean, the sense I get from acting, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, because I'm certainly not an actress, is that the circumstances that you're acting out are scripted, but the emotions you're conveying have to be real on some level, I'd imagine. A hundred percent. And so for you to be able to feel these emotions in the form that they take uniquely in people who struggle in this way, I imagine that really made you exactly right for that role. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely felt all the feels in that audition for sure. It was a, a roller coaster, but it was the best time that I had on a set in a really long time because it was fun. It was fun to be able to play a character like that, you know, like yourself and, and be able to relate to it like myself. Yeah. I said, she's exactly like me, minus the serial killer, like, <laughs> <laughs> which we appreciate, <laughs> which we appreciate, you know, it gets me in less trouble. So <laughs> that's amazing. You know, one thing I think would be helpful is what does bipolar disorder look like for you? Because, you know, we have these broad diagnoses that apply to all kinds of things. And I'm curious in your life, how does this show up? What does it look like? Oh, I love that question because it is so different for everyone, right? For me, it's all about frustration. The best way for me to explain it is when I feel a manic episode coming on, I feel that bipolar rush, it's like a volcano in your stomach. And it's slowly the lava keeps coming up and up and up to finally like you can't handle it anymore. And you don't know why, but you just explode. And I get really upset because a lot of people go, Oh, well, it sounds like it's anger management. I'm like, but I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. And I'm just I have all these explosive emotions that want to come out. So that's really what I feel it feels like is this this mania. And then you get a sense of depression, which I don't have that much anymore like I used to, but you really beat yourself up. And perfectionism is a really hard thing for me. If I don't do things perfectly, I've noticed that that's a trigger for an episode that might come up. One that I imagine is perpetuated by your industry. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Totally. It's not, it's not, I didn't pick the best job um, for uh, the mental illness, but it's, it's something that I say, I can't imagine doing anything else. So I, I think that the drive that I have for the continuing of the rejection is what keeps me going. And that's tough for a lot of people. And that's why I don't recommend being an actress unless you really are great with rejection all day, every day and be able to accept it. I've been asked this quite a bunch about, you know, have you ever had a manic episode on set? And I only had one panic attack and it was before I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And it wasn't even a manic episode. It was more just like triggered by my grandmother's stroke. Like I just kind of felt like very overwhelmed and didn't know what anxiety was. You know, it's funny, you know, when you find something that you passionately love, somehow your brain is tricked into just being the best version it can be during that time, which is, that's what I've felt in my experience. Well, I also, you know, I know that there's a 
biological component to bipolar disorder such that it's possible no matter what circumstances you're in, you would struggle in some way. But I believe very deeply that the way our struggles manifest have a lot to do with how supported we are in leaning into our experiences. Do we have the permission and tools and support and space and love to feel our feelings? And it sounds like when you went from feeling like you had to hide it to feeling like you could express it, it actually changed the very chemistry of the struggle. Oh, I I completely, completely am behind that. I think that it made me less depressed in a sense because I felt I could finally be myself and I think I also was very lucky that it happened to be right around the time that people were accepting mental illness. Not that it's 100% better. I mean, I think I, I when I started talking about it, it was right at the beginning. And now it seems to be in every movie and every TV show and every, you know, song and every actor, you know, everything. But I think people were ready to start having the conversation and they were afraid to have the conversation with people. So when someone was open and honest about it, they gravitated towards that person. I remember I did an interview with my friend Candace King and she was on the Vampire Diaries and she has known me for years. And she said, it's so strange because I never would feel comfortable even being your friend being like, so how's bipolar disorder? Like, what's it like? You know, and she's like, it took me being a guest on your podcast for us to, for me to feel comfortable to ask the questions. But I think that now we're in a state where when you are open, people in your life, even I feel my close friends are opening up about their own personal struggles that they wouldn't have done before if I wasn't open about it. And it's a beautiful thing. It's really nice to know that everyone is dealing with something, whether it's a big extreme or not, there's a struggle. And we all learn that, especially during the pandemic, that we all have mental health that we need to work on. Big time. Obviously, I'm biased because I know and adore you. But following you over the years, I feel like you have a special kind of fan base because they don't just love your characters. They also really love what you give them permission to do, which is to speak whatever is true for them and to not be perfect and to grapple and struggle and that there's something really just so powerful about seeing someone you admire be fallible. Oh my God. Thank you. I I, I try, you know, I try to be very honest and even in my really sad times and dark times and crying times, I try to show that. I want everyone to know I still have really bad days, like really bad days. And I think that that's what I've been very lucky with the fan base that I have and the following and and those that listen and do all those amazing things. They have not just followed me through one character, you know, they've continued to follow my complete whole journey. And what I will say is, I love my fan base because there's something about the sci-fi world and there's something about where the imagination is bigger than anyone could ever imagine. Like they are just the most open individuals with their imaginations and their hearts. And there's something also that I think the reason why when the universe, whoever it is that got me this role of this one sci-fi show that I did, Caprica, which started a big fan base, there's something about sci-fi where there's a connection to mental health. I, I don't know what it is about vulnerability. And 
these wonderful humans have found each other and that's their connection is when they meet at these conventions and they bond over a particular show and they're very open and honest. And it was, I mean, every single person, Emily, that I met at this convention, they share their stories, their family stories about mental health, about their journeys, about alcoholism, drug addiction, everything. Like they're just open beings. And I'm so lucky like that I was able to have met them all through this one show for them to continue on this journey with me because it's it's wild. You know, I don't know for sure, but I can make a guess about what that connection might be between sci-fi and people who are talking about mental health, which is I imagine that if this world, this universe, this existence didn't catch you the way you needed to be caught, that it would be very appealing to think about other worlds, other universes, other existences where things could be the way that you needed them to be. And so I imagine that the sci-fi world is full of misfits and unique individuals who didn't quite find what they needed here. And so they're like, well, what else? What else could be out there? Yeah. No, absolutely. I actually didn't even think of that, but it's true. It's like the possibilities are endless. Yes. And I think that that's what's really special. And I'm really lucky that I have the best fan base in the world. (laughs) Well, lucky and you put yourself out there. And I guess what I'm curious about is, do you have any, I don't like the word advice, but do you have any thoughts for people who are grappling with their own mental health struggles and trying to decide when to disclose, when to talk about it, when to share versus when for various reasons, it's actually important not to. Totally. First and foremost, the best thing that you could do for yourself is to find a community that you can have the conversation with openly, whether that be group therapy, whether it be, I I don't know, the Facebook group or emotional support. We have a Facebook group that people just write in and give advice to one another. And it's not professional advice. It's just like, hey, I'm having a really bad day. Like, is anyone else feeling this way? But it's very simple. And I think that that's important to know that you're not alone. That's something that I recently felt like I lacked so much. I I lacked a community, a specific community with my mental health where I was struggling and really needing that. And so when you find that and you find someone that understands and can listen to you, it feels really nice. So that would be my first thing that I would say and in regards to sharing your story, when is the right time? There is no right time unless you're ready. For me, when I was slowly sharing things here and there, I think it was me meeting this woman who was showing me why my story was important to share, showing her struggles of, of not knowing that someone on TV could feel the same way that she felt. I don't know if it was like a sign from the aliens or whatever, but it was a sign, you know, for me that was like, if this one story that I said just off the top of my head, because I was uncomfortable, changed someone's life, then why am I not sharing this? For me, when I heard Carrie Fisher talk about bipolar disorder, she was my icon just because I was like, oh my God, I was obsessed with Princess Leia and everything that she did and her writing and everything was just so beautiful about her. So for me, if I could do that for someone else, why wouldn't I? So I think you have to be ready, but you have to have a support system that's behind you because if you get a negative reaction, which I've gotten many a times, or you've had the asshole comments that have come a lot of the time, you need to know that there is someone there that you can talk to about it to brush it off. 
So that's what I say. Make sure that you have a community or a support system behind you before you share your story because there will inevitably be negativity. There always is. There's just people in the world that just want to put you down and want to hate. <laughs> and we just have to accept that we can't change them, but we can be there for the other people. That's a powerful metaphor for life in general. I think when we have a community that loves our whole selves, then we can withstand not being received perfectly well in every moment. Well, Alessandra, you're just such an inspiration and so wonderful to speak with you. The way that we end these Taboo Tuesdays is that I'm going to show you a list of questions that are taboo for all kinds of reasons. Ooh. And, you know, it might be taboo because it talks about sex or death or money or therapy or drugs. And so you're going to look <laughs> over this list and just feel free to read them and then pick whichever one you want to answer. Read that question out loud and then answer that question. Ooh, okay. Ooh, I kind of like... Well, I like what's the most trouble you've ever gotten into because <laughs> it's a childhood story and it's great because I don't remember who I was with and I could have been with you, but I don't think so. <laughs> but I got in trouble because my mom took me to McDonald's and I went to the play place and I was with like a group of four people and we really loved the the ball pit, the balls that were the plastic balls. And so I took them out with me and I put them in the backseat of How the car. How many? I think I had about maybe 12 oh, and I don't 12? like, I put them all in my sweatshirt. Like I was like a pregnant woman, like all in my sweatshirt and as if she wouldn't notice. And she turns around and sees all the balls and she goes, Alessandra, what are you doing? What is this? And I, I, for many reasons, I think she was concerned why I'm stealing the McDonald's plastic play place balls. Like now looking at it as an adult who's lived through a pandemic, I'm like, that's repulsive and disgusting on so many <laughs> levels. But also it was teaching me like, you don't steal things. So she made me turn around and we had to take all the plastic balls and we had to go to the front desk and apologize and give them back. And I think they were so confused, the workers, why we were taking these plastic balls. <laughs> and I got in trouble. I got in so much trouble because of that. And I will, that was the only time I ever stole something. And I never forget about that. And that's why I always am the first to, even when I like pull a piece for a premiere or something, I have to return it right away because I'm so afraid that someone going to ever accuse me of stealing something. That is so funny. I mean, to me, it makes so much sense. This is like this happy place for you. You want to bring a piece of it home and continue the joy. <laughs> like I empathize with that child, but uh, thank you. I'm glad thank you learned you. a lesson too. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Alessandra, thank you so much for being here for all that you share with the world and for giving perhaps some of our listeners a boost to find their community and share themselves a little bit more freely today. Before I sign off, what do you want to tell all our listeners about? How can they get more of you? How can they connect with you outside of here? Ooh, we have amazing new episodes of emotional support that come out every Tuesday. Some awesome ones, some very special surprises that are coming your way. So you can find it at emotionalsupportpod.com or wherever you listen to any of your podcasts. It's just emotional support spelled emotional support. Fantastic. I love it. I'm a listener. And you were on it. Yes. yes. Couldn't support it more. Thank you so much, <laughs> my dear. And I will speak with you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Emotionally Fit, hosted by me, Dr. Emily Anhalt. New Taboo Tuesdays drop every other week. How did today's taboo subject land with you? 
Tweet your experience with the hashtag EmotionallyFit and follow me at Dr. Emily Anhalt. Please rate, review, follow, and share the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is produced by COA, your gym for mental health, where you can take live therapist-led classes online. From group sessions to therapist matchmaking, COA will help you build your emotional fitness routine. Head to joincoa.com, that's joincoa.com, to learn more and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at joincoa. From Studio Pod Media in San Francisco, our producer is Katie Sunku Wood. Music is by Milano. Special thanks to the entire COA crew.